0: So you know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> the
1: show goes on. This is my home. They're going to need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here.
0: <laughs> They're going to need to send in the National Guard or fucking Swat team, because I ain't going nowhere.
1: Fuck them! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette. Professional body piercer with 20 years' experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. So, welcome back to uh, the Piercing Wizard podcast. I've had a bit of a hiatus because I kind of ran out of ideas. And the internet is insane right now. Um, But I missed talking about stuff and sharing stuff. But we talk every day about piercing stuff and we have really good conversations about piercing stuff. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to maybe record something again that was a little bit more casual and a little bit um, more like uh, time period neutral sort of a thing, like just talk about subjects rather than current issues, because the world is on fire, like literally and figuratively. So say, say your name and who you are and some bona fides and whatnot.
0: Hi, my name is Lola Slider, um, and I'm a body piercer, and I work at Forest Piercing in Glasgow, Scotland.
1: So it's been, I think, three months something like three months since I put the show on pause? Was it, would you say two and a half months, something like that? When did we do those Q&A things?
0: Mm, Ju- two July. and a half, three months ago.
1: Okay. So those seem to have a, a pretty good amount of people that listen to them. So I wanted to hit on uh, a couple different things. And it doesn't have to be like one specific subject, but we had like one of our Boyfriend, girlfriend, Zoom dates.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Last week or the week before, where mm. we just did like a two-person podcast that we didn't record and we just talked about stuff.
0: Where I interviewed you for fun.
1: Yeah, I thought that was fun. Um, well, I wanted to talk about a couple different issues, and I, I, I think the first thing on my mind would be that I did I did the blood seminar uh, about a week ago at this point, and in it I talked about how I control bleeding, and it was really about compression and um, trying to compress, like, deep, deeper tissue blood vessels to slow or stop bleeding before it exits the body, rather than just managing bleeding mm-hmm. once it leaves the body. But I do all this essentially with, with people laying down, and I, I realized that, like, my perspective on it is very focused on just that, but you have like a different perspective on it or like an additional step that you can take. So why don't you talk about that a little bit and then we'll just kind of get the, the ball rolling.
0: Um, well, one of the things that came to my mind when I listened to the, the blood seminar class was um, what I typically do when a customer is um, just been pierced and You maybe have that tiny little shaving cut amount of bleeding around the edges of the piercing where it's not bleeding heavily or any kind of significant amount where you would definitely want to do the the deep tissue compression that you're talking about Um, but rather when you're really just wanting to make something look clean and tidy so they can leave presentable or maybe you can take a, a nice picture of the piercing that doesn't look scary and when someone's lying on their back I can't remember the first time I noticed this, but it was years and years ago, really early into piercing. And it was one of those moments where I felt like such an idiot for never having thought of it before. But when people are lying down, you always notice that the veins in their forehead gets really big, um, you know, because obviously their, their blood's distributed differently. And when you're lying down, there's just a lot more blood in your head. So you get that seepage coming out of piercings pretty steadily like a shaving cut and you just wipe and it comes out and you wipe and it comes out or you compress and it comes out. And if you just sit the customer up, that pretty much just stops straight away. I mean, as long as they're not feeling unwell or they don't need to be lying down for any particular reason and they're comfortable, as soon as you sit somebody up, um, pretty much straight away that little bit of seepage just kind of stops almost immediately, Mm -hmm. and you just wipe it away, and they're nice and clean. Whereas when you keep them lying down, um, it tends to go on for a much longer period of time because there's a higher amount of blood in their head than there normally is.
1: It's kind of like um, the opposite of what you do with someone when they feel faint. Like if someone's sitting up and they feel a bit faint, one of the first things I'll do is I'll lay them back because I want the blood to start to come back to
0: their head. But in first aid training, whenever you have a cut they're like, lift it up, elevate right. it. That's yeah. that's like the easiest thing to do to prevent bleeding. So, you know, as long as somebody doesn't feel dizzy or unwell or anything where they might be a risk of, of, of fainting or falling or hurting themselves, um, or even if, you know, you're able to have an adjustable chair or couch where you can sit them up, um, just sitting them up slightly is elevating and that'll prevent the wound from bleeding.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I didn't think of it and I just thought that it was important to touch on something as simple as that because when I when I teach classes I, I think when anyone teaches classes you have to realize that it's it's their perspective whether they put a disclaimer at the beginning of the class or not and I know that APP classes are really keen on having that disclaimer right up at the front first to say like this is our personal opinion as an instructor a professional opinion as an individual um, but you have to kind of realize that there's more information out there so I thought that that was a really good one um,
0: I don't like to interrupt your classes, though. Well,
1: I, I feel like you add to it really well. That's why I like to teach with you so much. Um, I, I feel like for whatever reason, I don't know why, we have a pretty good dynamic together. Yeah. Um,
0: but, you know, it's your people, you know, it's, it was for your Patreon and everything, and people pay to follow you on there, and see your content and your opinions and stuff and I just wouldn't want to be like, hi guys here's my opinion that you didn't ask for or are here to see.
1: Yeah, I think a really important part of growth and I know it's been a really important part of my growth is to constantly evolve and adapt and incorporate information into your way of thinking um, I I would like to think that I haven't been one of those people that's been like dismissive of other people's opinions. No, like never I would like you're, to you're
0: never dismissive of my opinions that's just my own you know, I just don't like to interrupt you and huh. like.
1: But not, I mean, not on that, but I just feel like the way you present your information is, uh, it, it's beneficial and it adds to it. It's not like you're trying to argue. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just kind of saying, well, you can also do this because now I'll think of that next time if someone's laying there on their side and there's like a persistent spot of blood, I'll try that. I'll try either inclining the bed slightly or I'll try maybe having them sit up if they feel okay. And I just didn't, think of that in those terms, but I would uh, I would definitely think of it in those terms if it was the opposite. If it was like someone felt faint when they were sitting up or standing up, first thing I would do is have them lay down. So uh, it does make sense. Not to say that the first thing you should do when someone has bleeding is like pop them up, but no. uh, I definitely think that you could probably stop uh, a mild persistent bleeding by maybe just like elevating them and then having the blood kind of go back into the rest of their body. Um, so. Since you mentioned it, I figured now would be a good point to just put in a gratuitous plug of the Blood class. Um, I'm going to try to do some theme classes on my Patreon. I got a little exhausted doing long format, one-subject classes, uh, all the different stuff that I had done before, and the, the APP class that we did, and the BMXNet class that I did, and all that stuff. It, it gets a little exhausting trying to write new material if you have to kind of dive deep on one subject. And I, I really like, uh, kind of like the sampler plate of education, so.
0: It, don't you think that it's hard when you're trying to write a class and you'll think of a little piece of information for that class but that also pertains to another whole class? And then yeah. you're like, I should write that class. And it's really easy to kind of branch off and and end up with lots of little mini projects. So yeah. Something, something like that is really good for your like, Ask Me Anything sessions and those kind of things?
1: Well, I, so, th- I got the idea for the the blood class because I was just, like, laying around listening to Spotify and this song called Blood came on. And it just repeats that word over and over in it. And I was like, oh, yeah, blood. I, you know, we interact with blood in so many different ways as a body person. And I was like, that could be a class. So I just thought it would be... Fun and easy, something that I didn't have to make a PowerPoint presentation on and I could just talk about different ideas on like, well, how to make something bleed less or how to stop bleeding if it does bleed and how to manage bleeding and clean blood off of items and all that stuff and it's a little bit of everything without getting too far into anything. Um,
0: Something that I've just recently been speaking um, to my coworker Nira about is when to expect bleeding and you know why bleeding isn't always the end of the world and not to panic when you see bleeding in certain situations you know like when you're doing certain types of work where you can reasonably anticipate you know you get out more gauze you're prepared for there to be bleeding there and how preventing bleeding while it's important to limit isn't the be-all and end-all and there are some times that piercings are going to bleed a little bit and you can reasonably anticipate that so it's so important to have the information about minimizing bleeding and what to do when things bleed you know you can't just think how can i make it so that nothing ever bleeds should i be stretching stuff up and all that kind of thing and you're Mm -hmm. just like what's wrong with something that bleeds for 10 seconds 30 seconds 60 seconds and then you know is nice and clean by the time they leave that's not a massive problem it's not something that you should be hugely concerned about um so i don't know if that's a common thing maybe newer piercers are feeling um but i mean being informed about bleeding and prepared and um, what you should do when that happens I think is equally important as knowing how to limit and prevent bleeding. Uh,
1: I, I think one of the, I don't want to say negative, maybe limiting or unproductive trends in the industry right now is uh, going back to that concept of like piercers that have, that have been at it for two years, three years, less than five years a lot of those piercers are being mentored by or looking up to piercers that have maybe 10 or more years of experience or something like that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they try to emulate and or copy and follow the trends of and everything. And sometimes people almost want to skip over the, the parts of their career where they just kind of like wing it. And a big part of me with, with my career not winging it in like an irresponsible way like I was hurting someone, but if there was bleeding, I, I see that as just, it's, you know, you poke a hole in someone and they're gonna yeah. leak sometimes. So if I was a body piercer and I didn't know how to control that, or if I didn't have to like learn through troubleshooting of like how best to control that, I would see that as, as me being a weaker piercer because I would have a more of a panic instinct when, when bleeding happens. Like when bleeding happens now, it's, it's, it's so inconsequential. It's like if you spilled water on the floor and you'd be like, oh, it's no bother. You, you can just clean it up. Not to say that we're spilling blood on the floor, but if bleeding happens, I don't want, like if I have the client in front of me, if I have maybe a, their friend or their parent in the room and there's bleeding, I don't want to seem like I don't have it under control. I want to seem like it's just, it's the simplest thing. It's just like, oh, you have a spot of bleeding. I'm just gonna put a bit of pressure on that for a minute uh, and then after, it's like, oh, I'm just going to clean it. You have a bit of dry blood on the piercing. And I want to normalize just the concept that, that piercings can and often do bleed.
0: I think that's really important with client care too. You know, you're doing your client a bit of a disservice if you know that a piercing is likely to bleed and you don't notify them of that. Mm-hmm. And just reinforce to them that it's normal and it's expected. Um, if there's a piercing that you're going to do where there's a high likelihood that it's either going to bleed at the time, Uh, and then you're gonna clean that, or uh, whether there's a likelihood that it might bleed later on. I mean, um, regularly doing nipple piercings, for example, or any other piercing that you would bandage um, that's gonna be moving around a lot potentially during the day and that kind of thing. I'll always say to the customer, you'll probably get a bit of a drop of blood out of these. Mm Don't worry about it if when you take your clothes off, you can see a tiny bit of blood underneath the bandages. That's why I'm putting bandages on you. It's to keep everything clean and contained. Sure. Um, So, you know, just don't worry when you see that. I expect to see it there. It's very normal. And just letting them know that you know that it's going to be there is going to be a bit of a relief to them. Whereas if you didn't mention it at all, and the next morning when they go to remove their bandages, they find that there's, you know, a little bit of blood there that they weren't aware was going to be there, then they might be, you know, calling or emailing I mean, obviously, they should always call or email if they have anything of concern, but it just kind of saves them a little bit of worry that they didn't need to have. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, uh, I really have an emphasis on genital piercings with that sort of concept. Like, anytime Mm -hmm. somebody gets a genital piercing, um, especially if it's, uh, like head of the penis, or like hood of the vulva, or, or something. Like I really do want to tell someone it, it's not unusual to have some bleeding for maybe the first day, or 48 hours even. Um, especially if it's something that's, like I know it's gonna bleed. Like a, an ampling or an apodravia, or a PA, or something like that. Or maybe a, a triangle piercing. Because, like you said, if, if people get surprised by that blood, it's either gonna make it seem like uh, something went wrong, or that you're just a, a doofus and you've never done it before. And yeah. it's like, you didn't, you didn't know that, that it was going to happen or it, it, I don't know, it's some sort of worrisome thing. But if I tell somebody uh, it's not unusual to have a bit of bleeding for the first day or two, uh, You know, probably more so right when you get home and maybe remove a bandage or something like that. Or maybe when you wake up the first morning, there'll be some dry blood on it. And, and if you tell them that in advance, um, I, th- I think if you tell clients most things in advance, then it, it minimizes it, and it's a it's a non-event.
0: And it doesn't make it look like you're making it up as you go along. Either. Yeah. I, I do that with bruising in particular. Like, mm-hmm. I always try and reference what piercings may be more likely to bruise. And a really common one for me is earlobe piercing. Mm-hmm. It's not common for earlobe piercings to bruise, but it's not that rare because it's one yeah. of those things where people will say, oh, it, this isn't common. But I've seen loads of examples online of people who have posted bruised earlobes. So it's not that rare or that unusual, particularly when they're a little bit higher up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually at the back of the ear. So now I actually incorporate that. I do anatomy specific aftercare, so I do like an aftercare for cartilage, and aftercare for lobes, and aftercare for nasal and you know like all that kind of stuff just so that it's a little bit more tailored. And for the lobe piercing aftercare, you know I can include things like remember to dry behind your earlobe and just specific things like that. Um, but I will actually put, it's not super common, but some people can experience a small bruise, mm-hmm. usually behind their earlobe. It's nothing to worry about. Obviously, call us, email us if you have any concerns. But you know, a bruise is a bruise. There's nothing you need to do for it. Just let it go away on its own. Um, because it's something that comes up you know, like every now and then. And lobe piercings are done in very high volume. So the unlikeliness of someone getting that, it's not that unlikely because of the amount that we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sooner or later you'll have someone, yes. and like even if you tell them, okay, so you're, you're not telling them it will bruise, no. it will bleed, but you're just saying, oh, it's possible that this happens. Well, it's yeah, also possible that dried discharge will accumulate.
0: Because when else would you have had a bruise on your earlobe? That's mm-hmm. why it's weird. You know, that's why it's unusual. People will have probably never had a, a bruise on their lobe in their whole lives, so that could be alarming. Yeah. So I will just mention, you know, cause, and, and I had a bruise myself getting my earlobe pierced, um, as an adult in a piercing studio with everything being done correctly and with appropriate jewelry and it is just one of those things Anytime that you break the skin with a needle there is potential for bruising Yeah, or um, bleeding So I think that um, Not trying to present an image I think it can be really harmful to your credibility as a piercer to actually try and gloss over everything to do with piercing um, That could be uh, not necessarily intimidating, but off putting to a client. Don't cover up the fact that things might bleed. Don't cover up the fact that things don't, uh, that things might bruise or that things might swell. I think it's really important to make sure that clients are properly educated as to what they can expect within those first couple of days or weeks with a piercing.
1: I'll do that for, uh, know surface piercings cartilage and uh, yeah I mean you want to basically inform them of your aftercare shouldn't just be about how to clean the piercing aftercare should be about all the things they'll experience during healing Mm. bruising bleeding swelling dried discharge uh, things they might need to avoid and all those different things so I think when you give people a really thorough aftercare speech it just makes you look like a really well experienced um, thoughtful piercer like not all of these things will happen to you but some of these things may happen to you and i want you to know how to deal with it because i don't want you to have to fill in the blanks if you have bruising i don't want you to panic and go to google and figure out like what do i do if my piercing is bruised and then google tells you some insane thing
0: well that was one of the reasons that i made um kind of body part specific aftercare for going back to work that was one of the little things that i did during lockdown because before i just had like a kind of general aftercare sheet and would just emphasize what was more appropriate to the piercing that particular person had. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd say, like, oh, well, this doesn't really apply for this, but this definitely does. Um, And I feel that having targeted aftercare, it kind of means that I can get them, like, the best of the information without, you know, having to um, give them, like, this essay sheet to read about aftercare and all aftercare. We have that on the website um, if they want to do, like, extended reading about aftercare. But I would rather just have, you know, these are the hits, these are the most important things about earlobe care or nostril care or lip care or, or any of those things. You know, mm-hmm. Not that I'm doing lip piercings, obviously, but I do have anatomy-specific uh, aftercare sheets for all different body parts. They're all about the same size, um, and it just has uh, your daily cleaning advice, a little bit of information about the piercing itself, and, uh, and then just a little troubleshooting section of common problems people have and how to avoid them
1: yeah i really liked how you did that um i would like to do that but i know i probably am not likely to because i'm lazy but uh i I think as you get more experience as a body piercer you start to see these commonalities and these little things and now in my aftercare brochure i'll i'll make sure that i mention things like makeup issues and sleeping issues and bra issues for for nipple piercing stuff like that because um it's just, it's common. It might not be every person, but I think enough people will benefit from that information that it's important to, to put it out there. And as a body piercer, I, I really like to use that analogy of like cards in your deck. You want to flesh it out where you want to have experience with all different kinds of troubleshooting. What what do you do if a client does contact you and says, well, I'm, I'm having some bruising and I would I would say it's pretty significant. Okay, what what color is it? Is there any swelling in addition to it? Do you have any sort of you know, a uh, pain sensitivity, a heat sensation, how long has it been there, when did it start, all those different things. You want to be able to like mentally process that, and it's the same with bleeding. Okay, I'm I'm having bleeding on a piercing. How old is the piercing? How significant is the bleeding? Uh, are there any outside factors? Have you bumped it, hit it, caught it? Is there compression on it? Have you been trying to put a Band-Aid on it? Have you been like aggressively cleaning off that dried blood? All those different things are going to form my, my, my answer in my brain, but... It's all through trial and error and, and experience. And if people aren't talking about the logic that builds them uh, up along the way, like if those 10 year plus piercers are mentoring the younger piercers and don't take the time to say like, well, it's not just this answer. This is what led me to now saying that answer. Like when I'm telling people do this or don't do this specifically, it's because of, of these different circumstances. And I think that will help those piercers um, who might not have those exact situations, they'll at least they'll have a better understanding of how to deal with them uh, mm-hmm. if something similar comes up. Was that an over explanation?
0: No. It's <laughs> <That's> very <laughs> sweet of you to lie.
1: Um, so, blood class, you know, I talked about processing and everything, and um, somebody suggested in it that I do another theme class about statums, which I think will be. The Statham class will probably be my next theme class, and I think I'm gonna do kind of the same thing. I don't think I can really match like the Dracula costume when it comes to well, a statum. Well, I
0: think that if you're gonna do a Statham class, and for your blood class, you dress as Dracula, I think it's only appropriate for the Statham class Just that you like dress like Brian as Skelly. Brian Skelly. <laughs> um, and he's wearing white glasses now, have you, I've seen. I'm oh, sure, is he? I'm sure that I saw him wearing white framed glasses. Yeah. They're very chic, and we can get you a really, really long wig.
1: In a little, like, musketeer mustache.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he'll love it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. You will not think that's weird at all. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I'll, I'll do a statum class from the shop. I figure I'll talk about some stuff that would benefit people who already use statums, uh, stuff that'll benefit people who have never touched a statum but are interested in them. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of talk about what their capabilities are, because I think some some piercers don't fully understand appropriate versus inappropriate use of a statum a lot of different maintenance issues that even people who have had a statum for years might not understand and if they're not maintaining their statum that's going to be a very expensive issue sooner or later so I'll talk about that and I've got two statums so I was thinking about one of them I could take the cover off of it and I could show people like the guts of what's inside a statum because I think a lot of piercers see see them as like super intimidating because of all the electronic bits.
0: I think that there is some margin between um, piercers who uh, either have a statin or they want to get a statin because they know the benefit that it could um, have for their business for all kinds of reasons. I was certainly in that camp. Um, And then a much, much smaller amount of piercers actually understand properly how statins work and how to maintain a statin correctly. So uh, I think that most piercers that know what a statin is and either have one or want one have a huge gap in their knowledge um, because I think a lot of the information around statins is based on why you should get one and how it can benefit your your business in that sense, mm-hmm. um, in terms of convenience and, and that kind of thing, um, and not having everything prepackaged and that kind of flexibility. Um, whereas, you know, I don't, I've never been to just a basic statin maintenance class. I mean, I've read the instructions and there are ma- maintenance things that I do um, that I think that I'm doing correctly, but for the most expensive item that I own, not even just in the shop, but in my life. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I have a single thing that is, that is more valuable. Yeah. Um, and a single thing that would be more damaging to me to to break down. I mean, if it broke down, I literally couldn't operate right now. I don't have a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of the most important thing that you could learn would be warning signs of, of potential things that need to be addressed um, with the unit. and. I mean, there's the, the Staten um, forum on Facebook that's really, really good. But um, the thing is, you often don't look in it until you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And then you go in it to look and see what the answer is. And it's a really good resource for that. But you know, it's better to be forewarned about that stuff. Yeah. So actually having a, a class to just explain some of the basic maintenance issues. Mm-hmm. And not encourage people to go tinkering around with things, but just to give them some fundamental knowledge about Um, how to care for the unit and what to do if they notice a problem and that kind of thing. Yeah. um, Could be really, really valuable.
1: I think I've had to either replace or do some sort of general maintenance on every component of my statum other than the boiler and compressor at this point, which are actually slightly more common issues, I think. Not common. like some some statum owners would maybe never deal with it but I think statum owners who do have to like open it up and tinker around with the guts usually it's the compressor and the boiler but I've had to deal with fuses and adding in the drain tube and having to do just all kinds of stuff in there I have to replace some valve I can't remember the technical name of it but like uh, leaks from like every little nook and cranny of a statum like I know how to deal with leaks from any little nook and cranny, and all of it is because I've, like, had to message Brian at, like, it's weird, like, how no matter what time of day or night it is, Brian Mm -hmm. will message you back probably within 15 minutes um, because he's just, like, super, super um, supportive of people with statums, even if you don't get it from him, but I've learned a lot, and now, like, whenever I talk to other piercers who are looking to get a statum or have just gotten a statum, I'll be like, okay, here is like five or ten things that you really want to remember and it will make you owning a statum much less stressful in the long term. Maintain these things, make sure you pay attention to this, make sure you keep these spare things in your studio so that if you do have an issue you can just like replace it instantly without having to order a part. Uh, you know the seals and all that stuff, the, the general maintenance and logging and, and all these different things so I think it would be helpful. Like, I don't want to imply that I'm a, an expert on anything like I would consider myself an expert body piercer but that's such a vague term because there are so many things that kind of come into body piercing in the in the modern industry now jewelry and aftercare and sterilization and all these different like technical bits of information out there so with a statum it's not like I can disassemble and reassemble it with my eyes closed but I know enough about it where I, I think it could be maybe helpful to have mm-hmm. a class and with the with the blood class I did the the live session of it for Patreon followers, and then I recorded it and put it on demand for Patreon, which is available now, by the way, if you want to go to patreon.com slash ryanpba. You can watch the... It's like almost two hours long. You can watch the, the blood class on there, but I think when I do my next theme classes, I think the the live session will just be free. I think I'll just have that like on Zoom, like I did those first couple of classes where it's like the, the first hundred attendees can just get in for free. And then I'll just put the on-demand um, version on, on my Patreon. But I wanna do the statum thing um, with a functioning statum and then an opened up statum. And then I also have theme class ideas. I wanna do a glove class and just talk about latex versus nitrile Um, accelerator-free and what that even means, powder-free, I want to talk about sterile versus non-sterile, I want to talk about like is it appropriate to sterilize your own gloves and short answer is no, Uh, with the gloves that we're that we're using as like exam gloves, like those aren't meant to be sterilized with a heat process. Um, But I would like to talk about gloves, I think I would like, like to really talk about it now because Um, Anybody listening, like, if you haven't already run into a bottleneck logistically for your gloves and your sterile gloves, like, it's coming, so plan it out. Like, you need to maintain a strategic reserve of certain PPE, and if you're a sterile glove piercer, sterile gloves are probably going to be at the tippy top of your list, maybe even ahead of disinfectants, debatably, um, because sterile gloves are difficult, you get right now especially difficult to get from an affordable supplier so if you haven't already started thinking about sterile gloves stock up on sterile gloves Um, have at least one a one month supply in your studio if not a a two to three month supply depending on your um your your demand but I want to do a glove class and then I think I want to do a needles class not not like your idea of a needles class or the one that Ollie's doing about like transitioning Mm -hmm. from cannulas to blades or something but just talking about these are different kinds of needles. These are where you get them. These are my, this is my opinion on what their functionality is, and just talk about needles in general. And then I can talk a little bit about sterilizing them and disposing of them and all that stuff too. Do
0: mm.
1: you have any other ideas for theme classes?
0: Theme classes.
1: Yeah, theme classes.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, that's a couple of months worth of theme classes right there already. Yeah. Um. I just ran out of things to talk about. <laughs> I should have written this down when I had it. I had some ideas. I think I actually wrote them down in a notebook somewhere, but I don't know where that is. But it's not here with me at the moment. Well, I while we're on the subject of classes, oh. I nope, nope. It's my turn. It's my turn. Now you got to raise your hand. Uh, I wanted to put it on your mind and put it on other people's minds out there that I would really like to see you do your PA class again.
0: I don't. It's just something that I've done. I did it, um, I think, th- well, yes, now, three years ago at UKPP. Mm-hmm. I did it what would be now two years ago at UKPP, which was the last one because we didn't have one this year. Uh, and then I re- re-edited the class, added new content, um, and and did that during lockdown. So, I don't know, part of me just feels people have learned all they can learn about... From me. <laughs>
1: it's not so much that I think you should do it with new content. It's that I think there there are people out there who haven't had the opportunity to take that class yet, and it's such a well written, thorough Prince Albert class that, like, I, I don't, I'm not saying this just because you're my girlfriend and just because you're a babe and just because I'm crazy about you. I'm also saying it because I think it's genuinely the 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 best. Prince Albert class I've ever seen and I've ever taken in my career.
0: How many have you taken? Well, if it's more than, if it's more than one.
1: It's more than three at okay. least.
0: Okay, alright, well thank you.
1: You're welcome. Uh, I've you know i I've definitely taken uh, uh, genital classes from uh, Elaine Angel and Jim Weber and at least one or two other sets of instructors at conference. I mean like since I've been going to the APP conference since 2002 and I've been going to BMXNet since 2008 and almost every year there's some form of a genital class and I've, I've taken lots of iterations of those and I, I really think that your Prince Albert class is the most thorough that I've, that I've ever seen especially because it's from the like the European UK perspective of um, intact anatomy and as an American piercer most of us in the United States uh, don't think foreskin first. (laughs) You know, we might think foreskin also, but foreskin, like out of all the penises that I've pierced in my entire career, I've, I've seen probably, okay, I've handled fewer than 20 intact penises. And I think as far as like, piercing a Prince Albert on an intact penis? Five? Maybe eight? So, like, your perspective of you're just, like, swimming in a sea of foreskin <laughs> is is really helpful. And especially if... Uh, okay, if you, if you step outside of the United States, which, believe it or not, is the majority of the world, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those piercers, they're probably, like, okay, foreskin first and circumcised penises would be... The minority, So I, I think it's, um, I think someone with your perspective is better suited to teach a class like that. And I, I just think it's a really well-written class and you just did a really good job of it. Thank you. So, more dicks.
0: Okay, less yeah. of everything else. Well, no, I mean, you can, you know, lots
1: of other stuff too.
0: I'd like to write a new class. Yeah. But I can't really do lots of irons in the fire like you. Like, I have to have one thing and then just focus on that for months and months, and create a whole finished product.
1: Manic depression, baby. <laughs> it's ups <laughs> and downs. Like uh, I was, I was, I was using classes as therapy for myself during lockdown. It was really just run myself so hard and fast.
0: That's what she said.
1: Um, that I couldn't notice how fucked things were, and then I, I just flamed out. I flamed out. I think I offered every class that I was willing to offer, or every class that I thought I could offer decently. I did them, and um, I just got so exhausted from it. And then my, uh, I shifted my focus over to like other online stuff and the podcast and all that stuff. And one by one, every one of those things that I was using to like distract myself, I burned myself out on. And that's why I had to just stop doing the podcast that I had done for like every single week, but doing it through quarantine and all like, seeing all the industry stress and drama and everybody else going through all this hardship and everything, it was just so emotionally exhaustive that I just couldn't keep up with it mentally anymore and I just had to take a break. So, I i get that classes can take a lot mm-hmm. out of you, but, um just, you know, just, just do it a little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think... um one of the things that the whole pandemic, and lockdown in particular, um, has made apparent is that, you know, like, individuals are amazing and pillars of support and loving and compassionate, but people en masse are fucking awful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I said to you several times, I felt very disconnected at times from the industry and from the community because there was just so much negativity and a lot of it justified about all the horrible things that are going on in the world, you know, so you can see why people are angry Mm -hmm. um, and have a lot of negative stuff to say, but when you're just bombarded with this wall of negativity and you, you know, you wouldn't want to be like, hey, be positive because, you know, people are going through horrible stuff, but when that's all they have to express and Uh you're just presented with a sea of that, you just end up feeling like, I just can't be part of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't be part of this at all. But then yeah. at the same time, there are individuals that you keep in touch with that just, you know, you help relate to and they help keep you sane and in, in the real world a little bit, at least with one foot, so.
1: Well, yes and no, because if you, if you look at the piercers that were super active, mm-hmm. leaders of the conversation, leaders of the community, yeah. Pillars, uh, back from February, and then you look at what specifically Facebook is now for piercers. It's like uh, like there was like an extinction level event where a lot of the positive piercers and kind piercers and helpful piercers have just like left Facebook because mm-hmm. they they can't they can't handle one more fucking shit post or one more comment thread. Where yeah. people are tearing each other down, tearing each other apart, and it's like I I get it. There's lots of important stuff out there, but does all of it need to be on Facebook? Is that the only place you can talk about it? Like a, a lot of you people out there posting on Facebook, you should have therapists and you should <laughs> talk about it with them, because that's basically what I've had to drive drive myself towards. Like I can't I can't handle Facebook anymore. I no. like I've unfollowed so many people, unfriended so many people, and on like. All I want to see on my feed now are, like, puppies. Like, I don't want to see piercers anymore, and I can't can't do it. So I think the industry is going to suffer for all this for a lot longer than just coronavirus era, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that um, it's one of those kind of complicated things where, you know, people can have such righteous anger and a lot of the time on facebook it's not righteous anger it's just people being really angry it's stuff. self-righteous
1: anger <laughs> yeah um
0: but you know people can also have completely valid things to be mad about and to mm-hmm. be upset about but people don't know how to channel or express those things mm-hmm. and that's why it all gets dumped on facebook and that's yeah. not them dealing with it that's not the problem being resolved right. that's not them channeling it into anything it's them it's taking just, their
1: negativity and dumping it on someone else it's just
0: here's all my stuff yeah and i don't know i think that there's obviously been some kind of a connection between that act of dumping all of your stuff there and people feeling like they're doing something um when they're not and you know like you like to throw yourself into making classes and i'll i don't know what i do bother you whatever it is that i do um i just think i know in my head that there hasn't ever been a single time in my life where I've felt better from engaging in an argument online, yeah. not even once. And the rare occasions that I do get drawn into one, it's just instant regret. And just and just instant, I just shouldn't have bothered because it's not even, a, you know, it's got nothing to do with me and it's, you know, nothing is going to be resolved through this happening. And it's like that terrifying social media documentary that came out about the correlation between, you know, what you're, what your brain is doing on a chemical level. When you get involved in something online, it's like an addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like so real and so tangible, the sensation that you get from, oh, someone's arguing with me, huh? And I have to, and it's like really dangerous, and it seems silly, but it's also having a massive effect on people's lives. Yeah. So I definitely agree with you that a lot of the the kindest, um, you know, most giving in terms of information, smart people, um, are retracting and withdrawing from that environment because it's just not a place for them anymore um, or it just can't be a place for them anymore or it's changing them and making them, you know, less happy and less willing to give and that kind of thing. So I think that um, something good ultimately, I'm sure, will come out of it and people will start talking and communicating in a positive way again, but probably not on Facebook. It's, It's like you say when, like, Certain people have just left the room or left the conversation. Um, it doesn't mean that they've gone, it just means that they're changing how they're expressing themselves and what it is that they're doing, which I think is ultimately a good thing. Yeah. So it's really important to not look at what happens on Facebook with everybody being horrible to each other all the time and think that's the industry or that's the community. Because mm-hmm. that's definitely how I felt you know, throughout a lot of lockdown. I to saw think that happening. Things were incredibly hard for me, you know, like just with everything that was affecting my life Off of facebook in the real world and then you know being isolated and living alone and just being alone constantly and having your only connection to the rest of the world be facebook and having that be the representation of the world Mm -hmm. it's really not at all a jump to see why you would just become so unhappy and so disconnected yeah um so I don't know like i i really i really like that i've said to you before that one of the things that i do like about your podcast because obviously i listened to it for years and you know a long time before we were dating and that kind of thing and i always liked the fact that it was just a podcast about nothing heavy in particular just piercing stuff and i always just really liked it as a representation you know or one of the representations there are other podcasts as well now of the industry and of the community where you could actually just throw it on and just enjoy listening to people having a conversation and talking about stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I really like that about it. That, to me, is what, like, you know, like a relaxing space is on the internet.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted it to be for me, too. I wanted to just be able to express my love and my obsession with body piercing, but through lockdown some people would send me suggestions or requests for issues on the show and a lot of it was just these are world issues these are world problems it's not a body piercing specific problem and like I, I can't do it justice one person with one guest maybe or a narrow perspective can't solve these problems and I think a lot of that is kind of what we see with Facebook also people are obviously whether they know it or not they're they're traumatized by Mm -hmm. what's going on with quarantine and coronavirus and deaths and all the social issues going on right now and and, and all the politics of it. Uh, People are traumatized by that. So they try to lash out at anything that they can affect change on. And if that means like a screaming argument in Facebook, that's where they're going to direct their energy. And I just, I'm exhausted by it and I can't, I can't, I don't know, I can't fix the world with a piercing podcast. Uh, I just wanna talk about body piercing. And that's why I like maybe just kind of having it be a narrow scope or or something for a while and maybe not have it be a different guest every week or not even a show every week. Who knows how many of these I'll put out or if this will be the only one or whatever, but.
0: Well, this is part of the social media problem as well is that you shouldn't have to solve all of those problems. Mm But when people are presented on things like Facebook and on other social media platforms, I'm not on Twitter, but I guess Twitter as well, you know, they're constantly bombarded with major world issues Mm -hmm. and then given an option to instantly comment on those issues.
1: Yeah, without any thought process. And take
0: part in them. Or even if they have a thought process, it's like, I don't know, I, I feel like people do become overwhelmed sometimes, and I know that I get overwhelmed, particularly, you know, with the pandemic and everything, of just being aware of everything that's going on and how terrible it all is and not being able to do anything about it and not being able to do anything to better the situation. You know, for the first time in our lives, we're all in a situation where really bad stuff is happening and no matter how hard we work and no matter what we do, we have no control over it. And I think that that is just what's sending people into a complete spiral. And I think that we are going to keep seeing people latch on to things that have nothing to do Um, in any way really with how they're feeling or what's going on, but people are so desperate to just take control of an issue, Mm -hmm. um, just so that they they can feel like they are involved in something and they are having an effect on something. And there's definitely a positive way to do that um and at the start of lockdown you know we were all joking about everyone making bread and in hindsight it was probably one of the healthiest things <laughs> um that you could have possibly been doing with all of that energy and yeah. you know like i mean cuz i certainly didn't make any fucking bread it was a horrible time for me um should more bread yeah um but i mean i'm just very fortunate that i got to just talk with you every day because i feel like Unless you actually, because you were alone as well, Mm -hmm. and obviously you went back to work quite considerably before I did. I was out of work for four months. And I think that unless you've actually been alone, alone, Mm -hmm. like not living with a roommate, not living with a family member, not having a garden, not having, you know. Uh, a dog to walk during the day or something like that. None of that stuff. Like none of those therapeutic. Oh, here's something you can do to not lose your mind. When you yeah. have none of those things and yeah. you're just a person in a box with the internet, mm-hmm. you know you you don't really know how extreme that isolation and that loneliness can be.
1: Yeah. Well, feeling helpless is uh, crippling in a in a way, and you just lash out. Mm-hmm. Um, your fuse is so short you're so quick to argue you're so quick to be hurt and offended and there there are genuine things out there that do hurt and offend and you need to have those responses but I think right now um, we're all just emotionally traumatized and I think we just need to either um, stop talking so much online
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, stop posting, stop reading or just stop being online so much or try to focus on something that you can control like like, bread was really great for people. Like, it sounded silly, but, like, yeah, yeah. I spent days making sourdough bread. And then when when everybody ran out of flour is when I think the world yeah. really went to shit. Um, but I'm starting to feel, I mean, better maybe isn't the right word. But um, I I've shifted my focus to a lot of things rather than trying to be this international man of mystery for piercing i'm just focusing on my own studio and my own staff and trying to make sure that they're living a a healthy sustainable life that they have the the safest work environment or the safest work practices that we can that we can maintain um but yeah i I just i don't want to i don't want to go on facebook (laughs) yeah. Well, that's we needed to end this on a high note because it's fucking it's depressing.
0: That's not true. I I think that it's important to talk about how shitty isolation is because I think yeah. a lot of the people that hear the podcast will be able to understand that and relate to that. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't mean to say those things in a depressing way. I, <laughs> I I mean they're all really depressing things, but I think that it's important to say that the representation of the industry that we've seen over the last few months on yeah. Facebook isn't the industry not really like the industry is made up of individuals most of whom are fabulous people and for some reason whether it's the algorithm or whatever it's just concentrated down into this reduction of utter shite on Facebook
1: Mm -hmm. I like your Scottishisms (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so what are some things that people can focus on if they need to use the internet to keep their sanity I would say Pro-wrestling could be really good. Netflix, I mean, people are like voraciously going through Netflix series. Mm. If you haven't already watched The Good Place, season four of The Good Place is on Netflix now, so watch that. I What what have been, okay, so it's been three months. What have been our our best Netflix? Oh, we're watching Breaking Bad now.
0: Yes, because I never watched it the first time, so, and you have watched it.
1: Yeah, but I, I haven't really re-watched it thoroughly in years.
0: Um, so I've been enjoying that. Uh, I watched all of a series called Staged in one night. Um, it was very funny. It was uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the premise of the show, I think it's kind of loosely based in reality and maybe they thought it would be funny to turn it into a show. But the premise is the two of them were meant to be working on a play. And obviously, the play got canceled. So they th- the director thought, why don't we just keep trying to rehearse it online? So the entire series is just David Tennant and Michael Sheen uh, on Zoom to each other, trying to rehearse this play. And it, But it's them as themselves. And it's really, really funny. That sounds great. They're like good friends in real life. And I think because they're good friends in real life and they're playing themselves, it's just really funny watching them be completely out of character and just mm-hmm. wind each other up. It's really good. And like because they're on Zoom, there's a there's a a scene in it um, or a kind of underlying arc where Michael Sheen's neighbor basically goes quiet and then gets taken away in an ambulance and like there's this kind of underlying sense of he's really worried about his neighbor and wondering if she'll be okay and it made me think of your relationship with your neighbor the flow. because you have <laughs> a, a it was it's like exactly the same you have a little little old lady neighbor yeah. um, who you have a kind of friendly relationship with. I would say it's symbiotic. Um, yeah, and like but in, in the show, like they were doing kind of little favors for each other. Like she would need him to run errands, and mm-hmm. she would make him like bread and stuff. And it, it was really similar to your relationship with your neighbor. So I thought it was really sweet. Okay. So I think staged was, was really fun.
1: From from your perspective, because if I describe it, I don't think it'll have the same sass yeah. and, and verve, but how would you describe my relationship with my neighbor Flo? <laughs>
0: um Well, it's complicated. There's a lot of layers to it, you know, because Flo's a really nice neighbor and she seems like a nice lady. So you want Flo to, um, you know, stay alive basically and yeah, be nice. stay in her property because she's a really good neighbor. Yeah, and you know, like you wouldn't want anyone else to live there. No, and she's and um, so one of the downsides is you do have to do a lot of errands for her, yeah. like you mow her lawn.
1: No, 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 no. She, well, she, she mows, mows her own lawn. She mows her lawn.
0: her lawn, but when she doesn't feel well, you mow her lawn. Yes. And um, and you, you run little errands into town for her because she's vulnerable. I
1: snowblow her driveway yeah. through the entire winter.
0: But it also means there's the, uh, there's the, um like the, the expectation, what do you call it? Expectation. The, there's the, yeah, that's it, the expectation um, that you will snow blow her driveway. So yeah. if for any reason you didn't, Flo would not be pleased. Well, the worst part <laughs> is,
1: is like sometimes we'll get, you know, in New England you can get know oh surprise you got two feet of snow overnight and so not only do I have to spend maybe 45 minutes to an hour clearing my driveway and car then I have to go and spend an hour doing Flo's much larger driveway yeah. and it's like this is just have to do it have to wake up early enough to do it otherwise Flo's gonna be trapped in her house yeah but she lets me borrow her lawnmower because I don't have one I mean I have had lawnmowers in the past but I've had very bad luck with them. They're like goldfish that keep dying.
0: I think you have a very good relationship with Flo. I think that, you know, equally for her, she probably feels exactly the same way. Like, I've got this young guy uh, who can run errands into town for me and snow blows my driveway. And, you know, I want to keep him there as a neighbor, so I'm going to bake him treats uh, and and, and bring him things.
1: Christmas crinkle. What What would you call it? What do you call that stuff?
0: I'm not really sure. I've never seen it anywhere other Whatever than... Whatever
1: it is, it's delicious.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, but that's... It's kind of like, uh, you know, what are those things that, like, eat the parasites off of sharks? Remora?
0: I'm not sure.
1: Okay, well, it's it's that kind of a relationship. Anyway,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like we're kind of starting to go a little off-topic here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Staged was very good.
1: Staged was very good.
0: I enjoyed Ratchet. I watched all of that.
1: Ratchet. Uh, I like the
0: color palette very much.
1: I've watched the entire series of the office at least three times so far since coronavirus kicked off.
0: I watched all of season one of um, Cobra Kai.
1: Yeah, what are you thinking of that?
0: Oh, I enjoyed it very much. It gets, um, it gets better too. I, I liked it a lot. Um, it was I, it's hard for me to get into a show. Because, you know, our attentions are all so easily distracted now.
1: I can't read um, for shit, I've, I've tried to start at least three books and I, I just can't get more mm. than two or three chapters in because of my attention span right now.
0: Um, so it is hard for me to get into it. Sh- that's why shows like Ratchet are really good because the color palette and Sarah Paulson are so soothing mm. that you don't even care what the plot is or what the story is or anything. They're like right. They're just, it's nice to look at and it's nice to hear and everything about it is pleasing. Um, and Cobra Kai is kind of similar in a way. Like it has very, very nice, you know, just visuals to it. Um, They're engaging and, you know, it's just easy to get hooked watching it.
1: I wonder if there's somewhere in the menu that'll show me how many hours of Call of Duty I've played in the last six months. It's gotta be in the hundreds of hours at this point. Mm-hmm. It's like I play every day for at least a couple hours. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and wrap this podcast up because we're not talking about body piercing anymore. Huh. Uh,
0: I had some ideas, but Uh we can save them for the next
1: one. For what? For podcast stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, save it. We'll dole it out.
0: I know. Slowly.
1: Okay. So, um, to touch on it again, if anyone's interested, that blood webinar is available at Patreon.com/slash RyanPBA on the fifteen dollar a month Archmage tier. But I also want to tell people, like I don't want people to feel like they're getting duped. So if you're going to sign up to Patreon, do it early in the month because the way that their system works is like some other subscription services, you pay $15 for a calendar month, not $15 for 30 days. So if you sign up on the 29th of a month, you're still going to get charged on the 1st of the next month. So um, if you're listening to this, you know, if it's anywhere after, let's say the 15th of the month, maybe put it in your calendar and sign up later, but it's $15 a month. Uh, for the, the archmage tier at this point I think I have like 10 webinars available on there uh, including the, the new blood one and there'll be more to come uh, but hopefully Lola will get some potentially dick related webinar content up online and uh, I'll, I'll probably write some new stuff later but don't hold your breath but I'm going to be doing these themed classes um, maybe like one every other month if I can maintain it but we'll see how it goes is there anything you wanted to plug? Your web shop?
0: No, not really.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> follow uh Forest Piercing on Instagram. Um follow Ryan PBA on Instagram and um be nice to each other and if you feel the urge to say something mean on Facebook, how about instead of that you just close it out and uh send your mom a nice message and and see how she's doing. Or uh
0: or, Yell an empty room.
1: Or just scream into the night. Because that will be... Uh, Way more cathartic. <laughs> much, more, much more cathartic and probably uh, a lot more beneficial to your health and happiness than just like being a shitbag on Facebook. Um, I would say like check in on your friends. But at this point, like I'm exhausted by checking in on people or having people check in on me. Like people checked in on me and I was just like, yeah, I'm fine. Just... Leave me alone. Like I will post online if I'm not fine. How's that? <laughs> Just assume that uh, if I'm still breathing, I'm fine. So yeah. Is there anything else you would like to say? No. Okay. Well, thanks for podcasting with me. I do have an idea on another one that I want to do. So me th- too. There'll be at least one or two or more yes. of these things. But we
0: should have been better prepared.
1: We should have. But this fuck is it. like
0: a j- this is like a soft podcast.
1: It's a so- it's a soft opening. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not a very good Al Pacino impression. Do, a, do, your, do your Al Pacino from Oceans 13. It's a soft opening.
0: Oh, I can't. Hua! Well,
1: no, okay. All right. Thanks for listening to the fucking podcast. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercingwizardpodcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017. Precision Body Arts LLC. All rights reserved. Say a few things. Hello. Speak with a slightly it, less small.
0: Is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes and your smile. No? You're
1: all I've ever wanted. (laughs) My arms are open wide.
0: (laughs) 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 I'm small.